This, this, this is, is, Fight Disciples. How you doing? Welcome to the Fight Disciples. This week's episode is slightly different to normal. Nick is on his family holiday, so we couldn't get together in a studio to have a debrief of everything that happened uh, in the fights at the weekend, which is a bit of a shame because there's a lot to talk about. Some fights not so entertaining, others extremely so, and a bit of shithousery as well in the uh, World Boxing Super Series. But I couldn't not put out an episode and talk about those things. So what I've decided to do is catch up with a fellow fight disciple, a person that listens to the podcast on a week-by-week basis. His name is Michael Shepard. He's out here in the States living his life and making a podcast himself called The Last Round. Make sure you check it out because he does quite a lot of interviews with a lot of people on the American boxing scene. I randomly saw him in the media room here at the MGM Grand in Las Vegas. And I thought, you know something? Perfect. He's a fight disciple. He listens on a week-by-week basis. He knows the feel of the show. We'll have a little bit of a talk about everything that we've uh, just witnessed over here. So like I said, a little apology because it's not me and Nick being on the show giving everybody abuse. It's a little bit different. We'll be back to normal next week, so make sure you subscribe to the podcast via iTunes, and you can get it on our uh, website as well if you need an Android feed, fightdisciples.com. But this was recorded about an hour after Tyson Fury had just beaten Tom Schwartz in the MGM Grand Media Center. Enjoy it. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. No, no, no. You've got to do it in a Scouse accent. That was the thing, wasn't it? I don't, I don't have got the talent to pull up a Nick P. <laughs> <laughs> don't give him any credit now, because you know full well, he'll be on his sun lounger listening to this show, thinking to himself, how's he getting on with me without me? And now you're paying him compliments. No, he's a shit house for not doing the show this week. That's where he is. Are you going to tell him the real introduction was? So, hey, Adam, uh, where's the talent? That, yeah, you did actually do that. <laughs> you did that. Are you up, do you need any help uploading anything <laughs> later on? <laughs> yeah. Um, Michael does a podcast out here, don't you? You've had uh, some of the best American fighters on your stuff. So if people want to get stuck into uh, maybe the American view uh, on the world of boxing, check him out. Come on, plug it. We're at, uh, on Twitter and Instagram at the last round 12 and then you'll find us on all good podcasts, Spreaker, iTunes, Spotify, all the major ones. The last round 12. Uh, the last round on Twitter and Instagram, but, but if the they're going on iTunes, it's just the last round. Sweet. Um, so get yourself stuck in. Talk to all American dudes. Live in California, you lucky bastard, don't you? So he's uh, he's always in the gyms, round there, sticking microphones in people's faces. So make sure you check it out. Give him a follow uh, and check his stuff out. Uh, but he's doing Fight Disciples today because Nick couldn't be asked. Um, <laughs> now, Fury's obviously just made his uh, his debut in the United States of America. All week he's been mint, right? He's been chatting to the press. He's been giving us the sound bites. He's been on the big American television shows. He's been on ESPN for fuck's sake. I was in the gym the other day and his bloody mush turned up. And I'm thinking to myself, this is, a, this is amazing. You don't normally have that level of, uh, of, uh, of exposure as a Brit anyway in the States, especially when you're not fighting an American in a fight. It felt a little bit weird. Um, but I felt that coming into the fight, he had to do something. He had to do something special in order to back up everything that had gone the week previous. Now, mate, I know it's only Tom Schwartz, right? I know it is. So pe- don't get on to me on Twitter about this. I know it's only him. But from the ring walk to the finish, it could not have gone any better, could it? No, it couldn't have. He's a promoter's dream, isn't he? You know, like you said, like his entrance with, you know, his dancing. He takes over all of the uh, all of the press conferences. And then his performance as well, you know, just came in. He looked quick. 
Uh, he said he'd put some weight actually back on, but I thought he actually his jab looked quick. I thought yeah. his defense looked good. Uh, changed it up, switching to southpaw, which we didn't really expect. And then he just just the variations in his combinations upstairs, downstairs. And then as soon as he kind of smoked blood, for once he actually got him out of there, which yeah, was man. me and you were talking before, and we kind of said that you know we didn't want it to be what we expected—a unanimous decision, twelve rounds. You know he Ooh. dominates, um, but you know he's going up against Wilder in. You know, around Easter time next year, and obviously he's he's dominant. He goes in there. His last performance was, you know, one round demolition job. Yeah. So you need. We wanted Fury to do something similar, just to, uh, you know, promote it really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The all the chat from me anyway throughout the course of the week was, I can see it being quite dull and quite boring. But what I wanted was maybe three or four rounds of him absolutely peppering his head, giving it the big him, a little bit of showboating in there. But then flipping a switch, being dead serious and then going and being ruthless. Fair play to him, man, because he did that a lot quicker than I anticipated him to do it. I thought Tom Schwartz would be a tough kid. I thought that he might take a few shots, but I did think that Tyson would get a stoppage this evening uh, in the mid to late rounds. But to do it in the second round, then to get on the microphone, sing a bit of Aerosmith, have the whole arena <laughs> bloody singing it, it was mental. Everybody's in there <laughs> singing it. Then he's coming in the press conference, he's done fucking uh, Bye Bye Miss American Pie <laughs> with Bob Arum. Bob Arum's on stage <laughs> singing with me, mate. He just takes over or so wherever like, he goes. It was like being in some weird birthday, you know, that uh, you, you rock up with your, with, with your relatives and all that type of stuff. And Uncle Bob gets up on the old mic <laughs> and he's singing away. But, and jigging away as well and all that. And I'm thinking, what the fuck am I watching here? But it, but the American journalists absolutely love him. Absolutely love him. I don't think they, un they, under they understand him, you know. Like he comes over and I think they're just so shocked. You know, he walks into the room, sits down next to Bob and just grabs it and shouts down the microphone, how's it going, Bob? <laughs> and I don't think they all know how to, how to react, you know. He, uh, just every room he goes in, he takes over. Yeah. Which is good, though. I think like Bob Arab kind of touched on was that he's a promoter's dream, like I said before. He, uh, he just promotes himself, just giving the mic and off he goes, you know. Mm. Um, and then I think sometimes because of his performances before, not today, I think he always needed that because of the 12-round decisions that he would get, you know, like in his two comeback fights. Yeah. So I think he needs the promotion before and afterwards just because they were going so long, you know, going 12 rounds. What did you make of the who's who who were ringside? Some right faces knocking about, weren't yeah. they? Yeah, Gordon Ramsay, yeah. Shaquille O'Neal. Um, just shows, though, what a draw he is. You know, and a lot of the other fights, you'll get top-ranked fighters coming down, but you don't get your Gordon Ramsay, your Shaquille O'Neal, which kind of shows, you know, he's, he's, you know, crossing into different areas now. Yeah. Which you wouldn't get. Get on... Um my uh, Instagram page, if you're listening to this, because uh, did a little bit with uh, Gordon Ramsay backstage, had a little bit of a chin-wow <laughs> game. Robbie Williams knocking about as well. Obviously, my old mate Tiafimo was in the, was in the hood. Did you rate him, by the way, Tiafimo? Are you a fan? Yeah, standing, I picked him as my prospect of the year. Oh, did you know? Yeah, I did. Yeah, you've yeah. got, well, like minds, mate. Like <laughs> minds, well done. That's why you're on the show. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, he's, he's another one. He's, for a young guy, he talks very well. I think he understands, you know, he comes to all the events. He has... Unlimited amounts of time for every single press, you know, the big guys like ESPN or, you know, gets smaller it, podcasts. He? he gets it. He knows, he understands. Um, so it's going to be good to see what he could do, you know. Like, I think he's got another fight coming up and then, you know, the big, big fight at the start of next year and Vasyl Lomachenko. So, we'll, yeah. you know, we'll, we'll see then if he's, you know, the real deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I went to uh, Gordon's restaurant last night, by the way. I've been to it before. Yeah, Hell's Kitchen? Yeah. It's all right, isn't it? Yeah, it's good. Too expensive, but... Well, I won't pay him. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but he, he rocked up, you know. He rocked up. Got uh, everybody on the table, one of these weird cocktails. It's all, again, it's on social media. You can have a little bit of a nose of it. But he seems uh, he's into the big fights. He's big good. 
Mm. I, th- I think the reason why yeah, he ended up getting us all the cocktails is because I think Frank sorted him out some decent seats. I think he was sat next to Shaq. Yeah, he was sat next to Shaq, yeah. Fucking hell. He's a big dude, isn't he? Well, yeah, we touched on before. He made Ungani look small. And he were in the house as well yeah. tonight, Big Francis. My old mate. Yes, thank you very much for all those messages where you've seen me rolling around on the mat. He dumped me on my ass and gave me a good hiding. Yeah, but he was <laughs> in the house tonight. was uh, at the UFC heavyweight, just in case you don't know who that is. And stood next to Shaq. He looks... Well, I, a dwarf is a little bit uh, uh, extreme, but he does look small. Yeah, compared to that's Shaq. PC, you know, I'll have to say <laughs> that in 2019. You do listen to this show, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> Mate, there's nothing PC about it. If you want PC, you go somewhere else. That's yeah, it. It's true. That's true. That's it. We don't do PC on here. Um, quick one on the undercard because it wasn't the deepest. It wasn't the deepest no. uh, undercard, but there were some half decent fights in there. What did you make of uh, Michaela Mayer? I thought she actually hit the nail on the head in her own press conference. I thought she started slowly and the girl was actually catching her a little bit and then it looked like she kind of warmed up in the later rounds Yeah, and, and took over. I still thought it was kind of close, though. I'd give it 6-4, 7-3 maybe yeah, yeah. in her favour, but uh, I, th- I agree. I think it needs to be three-minute rounds. I think, you know, in the UFC, they 100%. do, f- do five-minute rounds the same as everybody else and they're getting kicked in the head. Mm-hmm. They're not just getting punched in the head. Yeah, I agree. So, you know, the WBC saying they have, you know, certain things about the water on the brain and, you know, and stuff like that. I just I think they need to... St- change it up, look into it more and, you know, confirm that. Mm. And then it needs to be the same as men. So we get knockouts because they're, they're all going the distance. Yeah, I'm with you on that. The uh, I'll tell you what was weird about the Jesse Hart fight, right? Because I, ba- I was backstage in the underpath here at the MGM Grand where we're doing this show from today. And he started to ring walk and they sent, and they sent him back, right? So he was sat next to me in the backstage for about 10 minutes. So in between the Mayer fight and uh, the Barrera and the Hart fight, I don't know what was going on outside, whether there was some entertainment in the ring or whatever it may be, but he literally, they've, they've called for him, as they normally do, the TV execs here. He started to walk, so I'm like, I filmed it, right? He's walked, and then he starts walking back. I went, eh? <laughs> but, but he looked fresh as a daisy, you know what I mean? Like yeah. he hadn't been in a fight, so I knew that it, the fight hadn't gone or it was quicker or yeah, anything like quick. that. <laughs> yeah, he's come back, he sat down next to me, absolutely fuming. I've looked around, his team have come over, so what's going on? I said, oh, there's something going on in the ring, I don't know. So uh, he, there were a big delay for him getting into the ring from the moment that he was actually ready to go, if that makes sense. And it didn't seem to affect him, though, because uh, I thought he was decent. No, that was probably one of the better fights of the undercard. A bit back and forth, you know, early on, they, they rocked each other, and Barrera was down a couple of times. A couple of them were, One of them was ruled as a slip, which I didn't think it was. No, it wasn't. Uh, and then Jesse Hart caught him with a really good, you know, right hand as Sullivan Barrera was trying to come in. That dropped him. And then um, it kind of like, petered out towards the end in the last few rounds, kind yeah. of. You know, I think whether they were tired or you just couldn't, you know. But, mate, you'd be tired if someone were whacking you in the bloody mush. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. <Yeah. laughs> no, it's decent. It, but the whole thing here in Vegas was all about Tyson Fury, all about his debut. He's done the business. He's just cleared off to a nightclub whilst we're recording this. And I've no doubt, hopefully, we'll get in there and have a bevy with him in a moment. Is it Hakistan, I think? Yeah, that's where he's gone. He's, a, he's, a, he's had a, a little floor there and they're all having a little bit of a party. Did you catch any of the World Boxing Super Series, by the way, earlier? Yeah, I did before this afternoon. Mental. I just mental. How did Bredis not get disqualified? I don't understand it. In the interview afterwards, he actually admitted it. He said that, you know, you gave him a rabbit punch on the back of the head. Yeah. And then in the interview, he said that he reacted with some dirty tactics, which he'd learned in Muay Thai. So he just pretty much admitted afterwards. That yeah, that he he's done a re- reverse elbow, elbow right in the right and, and proper clotting, man. Fair in enough. Front of the ref. In front of the ref, yeah. who was Robert Bird. Everybody knows who Robert Bird is. He's getting on a bit now, he's the egg fella, isn't he? You know what I mean? Took one right on the whiskers, on an elbow. For me, that's an instant. Because he's done it on purpose. It's instant, right? On your way, you're out. Then, what you get, you get two knockdowns, 
in uh, in a round, one of which happens about 10 seconds after the bell's gone. How has that happened? I don't know. It's a crazy state of affairs the whole fight. I this is this is the thing, right? Because people watching that, if you're not a boxing fan and you've watched that, because I believe it was on Sky in the UK. It was in DAZN over here. Right, so it would have been on Sky over in the UK. And uh, you'd have watched that and you're thinking to yourself, what the fuck's going on here? What is what is going on? And then you you get on social media to try and get more information about it, and everybody's saying, ah, oh, obviously the fight's bent or something like that. Because the day before they were messing about with the WBC, weren't they, regarding the judging situation? Yeah, that's right. Saying there was they wanted a certain amount of judges and, a, and the officials because they had the WBO and the WBC belts mm-hmm. in there. WBC threw the toys out the pram, took the belt off the off the table, and then you've got Adelaide Bird judging it, Robert Bird uh, refing it, and then you get that absolute mess. And not a good set of eyes between them. Absolute mess, mate. I don't understand it. I mean, he he saw it because he stopped it and took him to one side afterwards. So well, he's seen it, but yeah. it's, it's a disqualification. So if he if that's not a disqualification, I'm not too sure what is. That it's the home fighter. I don't care, right? That the majority of us would have wanted Breders to go through to the final in mm-hmm. order to set up a great fight with Dorticos because it will be a great fight, no question about that. But I don't give a shit. He's elbowed the dude on the whiskers and then hit him ten seconds after the bell. Are you telling me that all three men didn't hear the bell go? Yeah, exactly. And I don't think it's one of those situations where people would have, you know, there wouldn't have been much confusion and arguments afterwards. Uh, and then you had, uh, obviously, in the other uh, fight, you had uh, Tabiti, who isn't the most attractive when you watch him fight, to be fair, uh, taking on uh, uh, Dortikos. It took him a bit of time. I felt for Dortikos a little bit because Tabiti didn't really bring it. I thought last week doing the show that, Tabiti, that this might be a moment where Tabiti steps up and thinks, right, let's have it. And he didn't do that. He, were, he, were, he was like trying a heavy, uh, sorry, a cruiserweight version of uh, a Mayweather tactics. You know what I mean? He was doing all the shoulder rolls and all that type of stuff. So it looked didn't look the prettiest. But I'm glad that Dorticos got the finish in the end because that does actually set up a fantastic World Boxing Super Series final. Yeah, I agree. I actually thought he was, might have actually been a surprise package uh, to, to beat him. Yeah, yeah I, I, I said that right at the start of the thing. There was big things over here about him. You know, obviously, he trains in Vegas at the Mayweather gym, so... You know, there's a lot of talk about how quick he was, yeah. you know, how different he was to a lot of the other cruiserweights. So, I, you know, I had him, had him as my actual pick, thinking he might be a little underdog. But, you know, obviously I was proved wrong. He kept his, his, kept his arms too low. Yeah. His left hand was just so low all the time, just exposing his chin. And eventually Dr. Kosh just found one that obviously just found it, its home. You've, you've obviously got a very good boxing IQ, mate, because me and you have obviously, uh, we think very similar. <laughs> because I picked Tabiti as well, even though we're both wrong, but I picked Tabiti as well. We picked Tiafimo. You see, we don't need a scouser on this show. I'm telling you now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm coming for your job, DP. That's it. You watch out, Nick. Every time I'm coming over to Vegas, I'm popping in uh, to Mike's place. This is it. You don't actually live in Vegas, though, do you? You live in Cali. Is that right? Yeah, California. Whereabouts? Uh, Riverside, where Robert Garcia's gym is. So you've got that co- area. Well, you've got quite a few then in that area. On Joel your doorstep. gym. Is another one, obviously yeah, yeah. Wildcard and uh, Churchill Boxing, which was Wildcard West, uh, yeah. in obviously the LA area, and then um, Andrew Reese's gym, uh, Legends, is not too far. It's in the LA area. So Living the life, mate. Eh? Something like that. It was a crazy story how I moved here, but, but you're gonna have to tell it now that you've brought. It up. I don't know whether I can legally. Can you, can you not? <laughs> Let's just say you met a girl. That's it. It was a crazy Vegas trip with the lads. Yes. There you go. And uh, never went home. There you go. Well, you no. kind of went home back and forth. I had to go into summer house. <laughs> <laughs> One day, when you're not here next week, I'll tell the full story, yeah. right? So <laughs> Did you... Right, so we've had Tyson Fury's American debut, right? We've had, obviously, the uh, World Boxing Super Series fiasco in, over in Riga. But then we had... And it kind of, I kind of forgot that it happened now because it, I was that bored watching it. 
on a dodgy little stream over here in the States, the uh, Warrington Galahad fight. Yeah, I, I wanted <laughs> th that's the best summing up of a fight ever. Yeah. <laughs> it was just, I actually picked Galahad. I seem to always go against Warrington. I went against him for the Selby fight. I yeah. went against him for the Frampton fight. Yeah. So it just shows you I should really not do a boxing podcast. I should do something no, else. All, man. Listen, this is the thing that bugs me when, pe <laughs> when no, because people jump on that all the time. You make you make a call based on your the way that you see a particular fight. You're not always going to get it right. Sometimes it's going to be wrong. We all do it. It's sport in general. That's why sport is beautiful. If if every time I made a prediction and it came true, it'd be boring as fuck. I'd hate, I'd probably end up hating what I'm watching. You'd be a rich man. I, be, I would be a rich man. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> but. I like the surprises of boxing. I love that. Like today, I anticipated Tyson Fury to maybe get a later stoppage. When he does it in round two, I'm like going, mate, yeah. absolutely superb. You've lit the gaff up. This is what we want. Yeah, it's, it's definitely true. You know, like kind of going back to the fight, I, I thought Galahad started well. I thought he kind of negated all the stuff that Warrington was trying to do. You know, kept him on the outside, kind of like peppered him with his jab. But I thought he was brilliant early. I thought early doors, he was brilliant. But just wasn't enough jabs. Absolutely. Single shots, that's all he was throwing. The whole time. And then you could see, you know, when he was going into the corner early on, Inga was kind of telling him, like, hey, calm down, calm down. You could see, it. obviously, he was kind of, like, worked up early on. And then, you know, he kept the same game plan. But I, I think if he'd have just done, the, you know, the old school, like, okay, you know, this, it's the last 15, 20 seconds of the fight and just threw a lot of punches, mm. he might have stolen the rounds. But I don't know whether it was just, a, you know, obviously, you've got to really take the title away from the champion. And obviously, he was doing yeah. it in his own backyard. So I think, you know, he wasn't winning the rounds convincingly enough, even though, personally, I actually thought he took the fight. I thought it was, you know, eight to four, something like that. I just, yeah. did, I just can't, looking at it, I can't think to myself, there's eight round, rounds that Warrington won when you look at the scorecards. Not conclusively. No. No, it is, listen, I understand why people are, you know, calling it a robbery, calling it whatever they want to call it, because it, obviously he lost out on a split decision, did uh, the old Barry. And I feel for him, I do feel for him a little bit, right? I know that, you know, if you listen to the show on a regular basis, I probably have at some point peppered him because of the drugs thing and what have you. And he's deserved that criticism, but he's served his punishment and now he's back and he's, he, he earned the opportunity to fight for that world title. And I actually thought at the end of it, I did feel, well, I did feel for him because if he'd have got the decision, the other way, if it had been split decision, nobody would have been arguing about it, would they? A lot no. of people would have said, yeah, I can see exactly why he's won that. I think he's very unlucky. I think Josh has got away with one a little bit. However, on the the only thing I keep thinking about in my head is I'm glad Josh won. Even though the conclusion is he probably didn't, I'm glad he did because Barry's a hard watch. It's it's hard to watch him sometimes. He's not, he's not going to make me buy a ticket and travel across the Atlantic to go and watch him, you know what I mean, in, in mega, mega fights. Josh Warrington it is. Josh Warrington will do that. And if they're doing a Leo Santa Cruz or if they're doing an Oscar Valdez, I'm on the train, mate. I'm in. Yeah, definitely for the well, fans. Well, maybe not the train, the plane, because the train, yeah, train... it's a long train journey. Yeah, it's a long train journey, yeah. <laughs> but for the, for the fans, yeah, definitely. I think the, you know, the Valdez, um, Warrington fight would be a war. Also, Frampton and Valdez, which has been, you know, mooted. You know, Frampton said that he'd been told by top rank. He has the upcoming fight and then he has Valdez's. But Valdez has obviously said that he's struggling with the weight, so he's going to move up. He's been, I think, a 130-pound fighter since he's mm. turned pro, and I think mm. even sometimes in the amateurs, he said he was around that weight. So for the fans, though, I think the right guy won in that sense. Yeah, but when you actually analyse the fight, you think you've got away with one there, to be fair. And it's just kind of sad, because where does Galahad go from here? You know, we kind of spoke about before, like if you look at his resume, Warrington's really the only person of note he's ever fought. Mm. It, does he want to drop back down to the Commonwealth or those sorts of levels or... 
you know, go a different route, WBA, WBO. Just yeah. Try and, you know, have a fight and come back up, you know, different day, different arena. You might get the decision, maybe, you know, not fighting someone in their own backyard. Mm-hmm. The fans can sway it. You know, you watch a fight sometimes, you know, every time Warrington, they but think he lands, yeah. he lands on the gloves. Yeah. You know, the fans can sway it. On that, by the way, I actually thought he'd done, a w- as an away fighter, I thought he did a wonderful job of shutting the fans up because they are raucous, man. They're, they're, like, they're a football crowd, aren't they, going to boxing is what they are. And they are, they're pumped when Josh is in there. And Josh kind of becomes the catalyst. As soon as the bell goes, especially in the Frampton fight, he set off like a train, didn't he? Put it on, Carl. Carl responded. And then all of a sudden, the fans are going nuts. Whereas I thought the way that Barry started that fight, I thought he mastered range quite well. And Josh, Josh just couldn't figure out how to get in without getting popped with one. Well, it's only one shot, but he was getting popped with straight left hands, right? And he couldn't figure that out. And the fans, the fans saw that. And it was a very different atmosphere at a Warrington fight. And that was because of the way Barry approached it early doors. And I thought he did a good job at it. Yeah, it would have been good to, to have seen, you know, maybe in the corner if that's what Dominic told him to do. Mm. You know, Ingle's been around for a while. and Obviously, his father was a coach as well. So I wonder if that's something that they get taught in the gym, you know, when you're, when you're the away fighter, just keep it really negative early on and just quiet down the fans, mm. you know, because they can be, you know, like driving force really behind them, especially when they're as loud as they are at Leeds. Um, what do you think of your gift, by the way? I mean, people might think that I'm paying you. I'm not. I'm tight. So I'm not paying you, obviously, to be on the show. Um, but I have actually brought a gift, haven't I, for you? You can hear them. Well, that sounds a little bit sordid for this type and of show, mate. Nick P was telling the truth when you said the good quality, aren't some, they? Some good quality. Yeah. He's got some more socks. That's what he's got. All available on the website, by the way. I need to plug that because Nick's not here this week and it's his baby. He's the store. So you need to get on the Fight Disciples website. There's a little store button. Click on the store button. You can get T-shirts, caps. App. You, you can get a lot, but you can also get the More Hookers socks. I've delivered some, by the way, because uh, More Hookers team are out here. He's not here, but his team are in Vegas. And uh, I've delivered some socks to him. Hopefully, they will get to him. Uh, and uh, he may or may not wear him in his fight against uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Ramirez. Uh, regarding fights then, right, from your point of view, the, if, if there was one fight that you could make right now, right, forget politics, forget whether it can, whether it can't, because people don't like each other or whatever. If there's one fight that you want to see right now, what do you want to see? I won't say Fury Wilder because everyone was probably going to say that and it looks like it's getting made anyway. Mm. Crawford Spence. The one, in it? It's the one, one all day, Spence mate. Crawford Spence is most certainly the one. I mean, like you said, there's there's narratives for the likes of the Lomachenko-Lopez fight. It looks like that will happen if everything falls into place with people winning. Obviously, they've got to win. I know that we might be overlooking Luke Campbell there. We're most certainly not doing, but Lomachenko's a freak. Um while the Fury looks like it's getting made, there's other fights that look like they're on the path to be being made. That one looks miles away. Spence Crawford looks miles away just because of Bob and Al's fucking relationship, which is a shame because it's an absolute banger. I feel for Crawford because like everybody, literally everybody else is in PBC mm. for his side. You know, when they were talking about the Amir Khan fight and they were looking at maybe getting Luis Colazzo, that kind of just shows what yeah. what he's got to feed from, you know, because everybody else is in the PBC and is Al going to do him any favours and let, you know, Crawford mm. have those guys to fight against without him getting a good slice of the pie? I just don't know. So that's just one of the bad things in boxing, I guess, with, you know, the rivalries and promotions. What does he do then? What does Crawford do? Because he's that good. I need to see him be that good against somebody who else is classed as that good. You have to try and get himself into a position where you know it has to be made. But the problem I think about Terence Crawford is he has the skills, but he doesn't have the personality where, like you know, like a Fury, where 
you know, he's going to jump on the mic and say something, you know, really, yeah, really good where the fans are going to jump on board, and, you know, and push the fight to the point where, you know, they're going to have to do it. Yeah. I think that's one thing that Crawford's kind of lacking in that sense. Um, he does, actually. You're right. He needs to start some type of narrative with the fans because the fans mm. want to see that fight. You've said it. I've said it. Every man and his dog listening to this is going, oh, yeah, that's the one. Crawford Spence, let's make that fight. And therefore, he needs to push something to the extent where the fans kind of take the momentum of it, you know, and then get on to Spence about it and say, Oi, what are you doing, man? Why are you, why are you not taking this fight? Why is this fight not happening? What's all, what's all this? And then hopefully then he can put the pressure on out and say, we need to do the fight, man. Because at the minute Al Heyman has all of them, he can just literally just do a round robin, just keep switching them around. And, you know, and Crawford's just going to really be there with nobody to fight of any note. You know, when the rumours are, it looks like he might fight Kel Brook next or Luis Colazzo, then... You know, he's not fighting anywhere near the my, my old mate Kel Brook. He's, oh, yeah. he's <laughs> ready, mate. Don't you worry. Crawford, he's, I'm cooking some chocolate brownies for him, son. <laughs> we'll take him out any time. We'll put some sugar on him and we'll do him. <laughs> he's lost at the minute. It's a weird one with Kel. I don't know what's going on. I really don't know what's going on. He's, you know, he's floating in and out of uh, my social media feed every now and again. He looks like he's back in the gym. We haven't got a fight, mate. We don't know what the crack is. Listen, I spoke to uh, Jesse Vargas after his fight on the uh, Lomachenko card when he fought uh, Humberto Soto. Yep. And Vargas said that he wanted the Kelbrook fight, but Kelbrook was just messing him around, agreeing to it, not agreeing to it. So, you know, he just needed something concrete because he's got that contract with the zone. So, you know, he's Jesse Vargas is kind of sweet, really. He's got good money coming in, regular fights. Mm. But he just said Kelbrook just wouldn't give him a, you know, a concrete answer. Mm. Just uh, before we wrap up... Um, Shows in America compared to shows uh, in the UK are very different, aren't they? Oh, the atmosphere in the in the crowd is it's hands down England beats them. You know, I go to regular events over here and, you know, they're pretty quiet. They don't often sell out if they're on the same day as like a basketball or football or anything like that. You know, in the UK, it's kind of more of a part of atmosphere, you know. Everyone's, you know, drinking, the fights are on pretty late. You get a lot of, you know, singing and dancing and stuff like that. So the crowds are definitely better, but... I think, you know, the Waynes and stuff over here, especially, you know, when you get the UK fans coming over, I think they make it, you know, they polish it up a little bit more, especially when we had the matchroom card and they did the weigh-ins over on Venice Beach mm. for uh, Eddie Hearn's show. So, yeah, it, it's good, especially, you know, when it's cross-promotion, you know, Eddie Hearn's involved and also Bob Arum and Frank Warren and stuff like that. They do polish it up for the, the people who were coming over. So, mm. you know, it's just good to see, especially with all the different networks getting involved now. I think there's a little bit more money kicking around with, you know, DAZN, ESPN coming in over the last what, like two years you know Fox Sports as well like all the major channels over here have like tied boxing up mm-hmm. you know kind of like in the UK you've got what BT and Sky Sports yeah so and then probably to zone soon when that contract that's going to be you never know mate you never know do you have it do you have the zone over here yeah you, I, you, I, per, you personally yeah I, I bought both you know the zone's only 10 bucks a month and then ESPN Plus is five bucks a month. Yeah. I spend more than that on a coffee yeah yeah so, yeah you know, what can that's I another thing man why is fucking coffee so expensive here Mad. Just live I, on I it. spent I spent twenty eight dollars in Starbucks the other day. All I got, <laughs> honestly, all I bought was a latte. Sorry, a latte. Um, and I think I bought two croissants or something. Twenty eight dollars. Twenty eight dollars. What they've done? They've seen the English fella, aren't they? They pulled my pants down and slapped me backside in front of them, going, "Hey, watch this. Watch me charging for this now. <laughs> Look at this clown here. Yeah, he's not going to tip, so I'm going to do him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Especially on the strip. Actually, is actually more expensive on the strip. Why? It's just coffee, man. Because the it's tourism, coffee. they know people will pay. <sighs> Absolutely madness. It's a fantastic place, Las Vegas, isn't it? 
absolutely tremendous. Oh. If, you, if you're listening to this and you've never been to the gaff, it is absolutely mental. You could, th- I could genuinely think of something the most random thing in the world right now of an activity to do, and it would be available somewhere in Vegas. You could find it. Oh yeah, you can do you know a- anything here. It's 24/7. Like literally, what you know, what people say about it. You know, when you're back home in the UK, and then when you actually come over here, it is. It's another planet, you know. You just you get here and three o'clock in the morning, the streets are still full, the bars are still full, mm. everything's still available, nothing really shuts down, you know. And then you got all the different fights, you know. It's it's a different level. Mm. It changed my life. Well, I can tell, mate. <laughs> got a nice tan on. You're still sat next to me, old pasty boy. Um, listen, thanks for doing the show, mate. Give uh, give your podcast one more plug because obviously you have got all these great American names on there, and people might want a little bit of that in their lives well thanks for having me again and uh, we're uh, at the last round 12 on twitter at the last round 12 on instagram and then you can find us on all good podcast networks where the last round it's a cartoon logo of me and uh, my co-host danny z uh, we're out every monday you know we tried to get regular guests on we had andrew ruiz before the fight cool. malik scott um you know any local fighters so you know tiafimo lopez stuff like that so he's the man He's the man. There you go. Make sure you get a little subscription on for him. And obviously, subscribe to us as well. So if you just come across this, you're looking for some Tyson Fury love in your life, uh, you can get Fight Disciples on iTunes and all over our website as well, fightdisciples.com. What I'm going to do on the plane on the way home, I will write a few notes of all the random shit that's happened to me this week. <laughs> and when Laughing Boy's back off his holidays next week, uh, we will have a full holiday debrief. He's obviously going to be knee-deep in uh, swimming pools and sun cream and ice cream for the kids. Uh, whereas, let me tell you, Vegas is a, well, my eyes were already open, but my eyes are even wider now that I've been in Vegas. Uh, thank you very much for listening. We'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, subscribe via iTunes.